Hello and welcome to My Camino, a podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. Each week I introduce to you people who have walked the Camino de Santiago, a pilgrimage to the Gothic Cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain, where, we're told, the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred. Pilgrims have walked the journey for well over a thousand years. And each week I'll profile someone from a different part of the world. My guest this week is the award-winning Australian filmmaker and author Bill Bennett. Bill's author of the hugely popular book documenting his Camino called The Way My Way. Bill Bennett, welcome. Thank you, Dan. You say that after your first Camino, you came home confused. You said you really didn't know why you'd put yourself through so much pain. You wrote a book to try to make sense of it all and really to complete the walk. Did finishing the book enable you to complete your Camino? <laughs> I don't think you ever complete a Camino. I think I think life is a Camino. Um, I've, I've since walked, um, what, three more, two in Portugal and one in, um, in Italy. Um, and I think if you have the Camino spirit, it never leaves you. And so to that extent, you don't, you don't uh, ever finish it. But for me, um, and I think I'm no different from a lot of people I've spoken to, I got to Santiago after putting myself through a lot of pain, um, walking up, you know, from St. John Peter Paul, uh, which is, uh, what, about 800 kilometres. I got to Santiago expecting some kind of epiphany, and it never happened. And I came back from the walk as you said, very confused, um, thinking, what the hell happened? <laughs> I, know, I know something has unsettled inside me, you know, like a, like a glass of dirty water has been shaken up. And I needed the book really to settle all of the sediment, I guess. I needed, I needed to explore my feelings and my reasons within the book so that, um, so that I could make sense of it. And you you just felt that calling. You knew inside. I have to write the book. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realise that. In fact, when I was um, when I was walking, um, it wasn't something that I set out to do. Um, I was doing a blog at the time, and in fact, right. the blog became quite popular. And I think in part because in the blog I was documenting not the physical journey, but I was blog. I was I was posting about my internal journey, um, and I think. I think that made the blog a little bit different from some others. And also, you know, <laughs> I took a humorous look at it all. Yeah. Um, as I have in the book. But, um, but yeah, it, um, yeah, I never set out to write the book. And then I came home and I, and I was sort of in a bit of a quandary. And then, you know, because I'm a writer, essentially that's what I am, um, I thought the only way I can make, um, make sense of this and try and find the reasons for my doing it is to sit down and, and write a book, yeah. So we'll try to make some sense of it then and try to get to be, your, be, the behind what's behind your motivations in this podcast. Let's go mm -hmm. back then. That first Camino, when mm -hmm. was it? Um, I started in April 2013 and I finished um, 31 days later. I had three... I had three rest days because I had a really bad knee and I was laid up. Um, so in total, it was 31 days. Did you walk alone? 
<laughs> you know, one of the things that terrified me. That I, look, I got to I got to say, and I, I was 59 when I when I walked that first Camino, and and I've you know I guess like you and like a lot of um, uh, journalists and people who work in the media, I've I've been a lot of places and I've faced a lot of challenges, but but I found myself before that first Camino really scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared, and in one sense, that exhilarated me because I'd never felt that before, or at least I hadn't, you know, for yeah. you know, for quite some time. Sometimes I do when I look at my tax returns, but um, <laughs> but but um, I only say that because I'm just filling out the bands at the moment, so right. it's in my mind. But but um, but I was scared, you know, and 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 I found that to be. Um, to be quite exhilarating, but I was genuinely, I was really genuinely quite worried. And the things that I was worried about were not finishing. Um, and I was worried about meeting people. Now, <laughs> that um, that sounds probably a little bit odd because, you know, in my line of work, I meet a lot of people. But I wanted to, I wanted to be quite singular. I wanted it to be a very personal thing. And, and I... I, you know, the idea of sleeping in albergues and yeah. mixing with people and everything, yeah. That, yeah. that was kind of a bit intim- intimidating for me. I think, you know, possibly because when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm pretty shy. But, um, but yeah, you know, that was one of the things that scared me. I wasn't scared about bed bugs and I wasn't scared about blisters and I wasn't scared about, you know, a lot of the things that people have fears about. Um but I, but I was scared about meeting people. As it turned out, I met some people that have become lifelong friends, um, and all those fears that I had were uh, really unnecessary. So you set out alone, but were never really alone. Well, um, what happened, and I document this in the book, is that I, I, I had before I left, I had, I was going to fly into Beirut's, and then I was going to, I need to get from Biarritz, which is on the French coast, to St. Jean-Pierre-de-Port, which I think is about 85 kilometres away. And so I had put in one of the forums, Camino forums, uh, a request for to share a taxi. Right, right. I ended up sharing a, a, ta- a taxi with um, uh, two fellows from Hungary and a young lass from Holland. Rosa, who should have um, been wearing clogs and pigtails and smelled of cattle. <laughs> we know about Rosa, it. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, those guys are still friends now. In fact, um, my wife and I just recently visited um, the two blokes in Hungary only a couple of months ago, and we were treated, you know, I haven't seen them since the Camino, and we were treated like life, well, I was certainly treated like a lifelong buddy. And yeah. that's the th- extraordinary thing about the Camino. In a very, very short, concentrated period of time, you can form these intense friendships that will last and, you know, literally last lifetimes. And the only thing that I can liken it to, and not that I've ever, ever experienced this, but, but in my book I mention, I think I mentioned the fact that it, it can be likened to um, soldiers going into battle, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. that in, intense, intense shared experience that um, the other, other people who don't walk the Camino or who, or who don't go into battle, they can't really fathom um, you know, but it's very real. It's very real. It sure is. It's it's something you can't quite get a grasp of, even at the time. You're not aware of the impact it's having on you. And if you were, at times I think you'd probably 
be a little bit more respectful of some of those relationships because you you know yourself you sort of think ah oh, you know that's there's that crazy guy and you're sort of a bit yeah. dismissive of it when you come toward the end you think oh he's such a beautiful person and you know when you come yeah. back you reflect on things don't you and you think i wish i'd got a number for that yeah. woman i wish i'd got contact details for that person yeah. and they're somewhere around the world and i'm certain they're thinking the same thing yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, these forums are quite good, you know, Camino forums and, and blogs and things like that and social media now. You can find people. Yeah. Um, but, but it's quite true. You know, you, you, you know particularly people who, who um, when, you, when you meet people at the start and then two weeks down the track you see them again and you may not have seen them, you know, since, say, day one or day two. And there is... Um, there is that shared experience of having, you know, travelled that that uh, thing. You know, you 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 begin really boring discussions about the weight of your backpack and what did you leave in uh, Rosavias and yeah. <laughs> what did you po- what did you post forward and and how are you dealing with blisters and what sort of boots have you got and you know stuff like that. It's really <laughs> it becomes it becomes very very technical. You said in the book that you were frightened, perhaps not of the walk or the sore legs or, or the blisters, but also s- scared of hearing other people's stories. Um, yeah, I wonder why I said that. I, 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 think, um, I think this was one of the things about... I wanted it to be a very uh, personal experience. My, my wife um, had been married to... At that stage, I think we were married 32 years and we're now 34 years or 35 years. Um, the plan was that she was going to fly to Santiago and meet me at the end. And she didn't, she didn't want to do the walk. Yeah. And so I was going to do it, I was going to do it by, by myself. Although I spoke to her every day on the phone. Um, and I, I didn't go out of my way really to befriend people. That's not entirely true. No, I remember that I tried to I tried to make friends with uh, two Americans and they fought me off, and I <laughs> I felt really really quite snubbed by that. Um, you know, I, it's a real topsy turvy thing. Your your emotions are tugged and pulled in a whole different lot of ways when you when you set out each day to walk twenty, thirty, sometimes forty kilometres in a day, carrying everything you need for that day on your back. Facing winds, rain, um, you know, mountains, all sorts of things. I, I, you know, it 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 does sort you out. It really does sort you out. And uh, the walk up Othabrero was to me. It was forty two degrees when I was up when I started at the bottom, oh. and when I got to the bottom it was oh, about crazy. eight degrees. So it was just uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. So on your blog, mm-hmm. pgstheway.com, Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. listeners, I'm, each week I'm going to ask uh, my guests, how much did you carry? Well, I'm going to get to the weight mm-hmm. section of your, of, of your question in a moment, Bill, but I just recommend my listeners mm-hmm. go to pgstheway.com because Bill has documented there in, in detail exactly every item in his bag uh, and then what you took out before you left and then what you took out only after a couple of days as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. how much overall did it weigh, your bag? Um, when you set out and then once you'd settled in? Um, I should explain that when I set out, um, the weather was really bad. Uh, there had been very bad snows and, in fact, um, the um, Napoleon Way across over the top was closed. There had right. been a death 
10, 10 days earlier, a Canadian yeah. fellow had uh, just uh, walked off off the uh, off the off cliff face or something. Wow. Uh, so that was clothes. So I actually was taking um, I was taking clothes for quite um, you know quite quite very cold, snowy kind of conditions. And I got to Roncevallis and I realised that I didn't need that. The other thing too is that everybody said you've got to take um, what do you call it? The you know these reflector jackets and stuff like oh, that. Oh, safety vest, yeah, high vis, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, and you know that was. Uh, I realised that was not necessary. Um, and those, um, what do you call those things that come up your legs? You know, that stop mud getting in your boots and everything. Gators. Oh, yeah, gators, gators yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had I had some of those. And they were quite expensive. <laughs> I donated them to somebody. Um, so I can't quite remember, but I think I I think with food and water on day one I was up around about the twelve to thirteen kilogram mark. Wow. Um, okay, and, and by the time I was just going to say, you're not 130 kilos, so you're not you're not <laughs> no. within the the realms of uh, of expectations uh, of 10 percent of your body weight. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't pass the 10 percent rule. No, I um, <laughs> mind you, mind you, if there'd been some buffets there, I would have been tempted to you know load on some <laughs> load on some pounds to justify my backpack. <laughs> the Spanish food and the French food is pretty damn good. It is damn um, good. Yeah, but. Um, you know, I tell you what, if I was walking the Camino now, knowing what I know now, I would probably have a pack of about 6.5 kilograms, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, something, something, of, something of that order. It's a mistake that everybody makes very, you know, when they start the Camino. And it does take, in fact, not even one Camino, but possibly a couple, to really know exactly what you need and what you don't need. Um, and you can, you can really get by with very very little um i mean I, i'm not i'm not crazy like people were you know cutting cutting the pockets out of their pants and things like that to get <laughs> you know to get micrograms off their weight i'm i'm not like that but but really when it comes down to it, it's one of the things about the camino and i mentioned this in the book is you know you you come back and you realize just what you don't need yeah. uh, the camino has impacted impacted me hugely in so many so many ways but one of the ways is just simply now when I travel um, you know I'm normally traveling with a, a bag that weighs about 12 kilograms and yeah. that's with all my work stuff and everything yeah. it used to be it was up, up around the 26 yeah um, I just realized that you know and so but whenever I stay in a hotel I've always got my undies and my t-shirts you know washed and hanging up in you know <laughs> Over lampshades. That's a that's a that's a trick that I've learned. You you, it, you, uh, you, you wash your you wash your undies and you hang them up over lampshades and hope that the people cleaning the room don't freak out. <laughs> and, the, and all that excess baggage is really a, a great euphemism for life, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, the Camino. I mean, one of the things that really fascinates me about the Camino is um, it strips away status. Um, I think probably the Camino and maybe military and jail are the, are the only things that I can think of, or, you know, the military service and so forth. Uh, but, of course, in the military you've got a certain hierarchy. But, but with the Camino, um, you don't have those things that you carry with you in real life that give you status. People walk in the Camino, they don't know what car you drive. They don't know where you live. They don't know what, you know, whether you're living in an apartment or a mansion. Um, most people don't 
wear jewellery, they don't wear expensive watches, they don't have um, Prada shoes or, you know, any of these kind of things that would, that would signify status in the real world. You know, you know, everything is practical. You've got to have boots that will do the job. You've got to have hiking trousers that um, are going to wash, um, you know, wash easily and dry quickly and, you know, keep out the elements and things like that. And so what it means then is that when you meet people, you meet them without any of the preconceptions that you might have. Oh, that's a rich person. That's a, you know, that's, yeah. that's a person who's, yeah. you know, a student or whatever. You, don't, you, you meet them. So what you're doing then is you are almost forced to consider them as people, their true nature. You know, how do they react to circumstances? How do they react to you? How do they react to other people? You know, so so it, it's a wonderful thing, really, because it, it it really does teach you not to be judgmental. I mean, you know, I would like to think that people walking the community aren't judgmental, but yeah. there's a lot that really are. Um, but I found it a really quite fascinating thing that this the the the, the notion of status that we um, you know that we embellish ourselves with. Just in the clothes that we wear, you know, every day, every day we, in some way, we inform the world who we are by what we, what we wear, what we carry with us and so forth. Um, and the Camino, you can't do that. That's fantastic. I'd never thought of that and that is just so true. If I were to say mm. to you then, um, what is the first thing you pack before you go, what would it be? Hmm. Well, the most important thing that you take with you are your boots, absolutely. Yeah. Um, your boots and then the second most important thing are your socks. Um, in, terms of, um, in terms of packing, um, I don't think there's any one particular thing. Uh, I mean, in my instance, of course, it's a camera, but um, yeah. um, I think that... Um, you know, look, when it comes down to it, you only need one extra pair of e- everything because, you know, what you what you wear... I mean, I, look, I, I've, I've, I've become uh, an expert at, um, you know, turning my underpants inside out and I can get two days out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and... And is there's, that, is, is that the wife in the background the saying... For you. Is that the wife in the background saying, I can't believe you just said that? Yeah, that's that's her saying that, yeah. All right, let's go back to 2013 then. It's April. You said you started in April. What was your motivation for doing that first Camino? Uh, That's a really, really good question. And, you know, all these years later, I still don't know. Um, Just to cut back, we had, we have (laughs) had, we have a daughter uh, who was living in Spain and was writing a book. Uh, she'd been commissioned by a publishing house to write a book, and so um, uh, we we decided that we would stay with her. Uh, it was in the north north. Um, it was it was about two hundred k from Santiago, right? And and we hunkered down there for about three months while she was writing this book, just to give us some support. Um, in driving around, I saw these people. I saw these pilgrims walking the Camino. They were, I didn't realise what it was, but it was the 
uh, Del Norte, I think, at that at that point. I had to drive to Cannes for, for work for the Cannes Film Festival. And during the, I decided that I would, I, I don't know what it was then, but I just started to become really intrigued by these people who would walk up and down mountains so meaninglessly, you know, yeah. so just with, just like, like they were lemmings, you know, it just absolutely fascinated me. And I remember on the, on the way to Cannes, we stopped in Lyon and I, and I plonked myself, my wife and I plonked ourselves on this seat and I sort of was looking at all the pilgrims um, wandering around the Lyon Cathedral and I was sort of studying them like, um, um, who's that bloke? Um, you know, the, uh, Richard Attenborough. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, like I was. <laughs> like a wildlife, yeah, yeah, I, I, I sort of felt, yeah, I sort of found myself like I was documenting them like, like Attenborough. You know, and looking at you know the different types of boots they wore and everything like yeah, this, yeah. and this this compulsion to be one of them, to 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 do this, just began to build. This was about two years before I actually did it, and all I can all I can really say is this: is that at the time I said to my wife and my daughter, I said I'm going to walk the Camino, and they burst out laughing. <laughs> they just thought that was the most ridiculous thing, and they said it'll never happen. What did you say? Yeah, she says it's still ridiculous. <laughs> um, and but it just built and built, and there was no, I couldn't. It wasn't a physical thing, you know. Like I wanted to test myself. It wasn't. But but all I remember, um, I stopped at this little store on the way back from Khan, and there was. Um, I remember it, it was on the Camino, and there was this pilgrim staff that was selling it, you know, like a walking stick. Yeah. 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 Um, in the corner of this shop and I gravitated towards it and it was beautiful. It was only like eight euro, but it was, you know, like carved. It must be some local craftsman who sort of carved it and everything. Anyway, I, I put this thing in the car and I then started training. While my, while my daughter was writing the book, I would go out for walks with this staff and I imagined myself walking the Camino. And it just, it was this compulsion that just built and built and built until I just couldn't finally... Finally, I, I went to a store in Sydney, Kathmandu, I think it was, and I bought myself a backpack. And I thought, I, I thought, what am I doing buying a backpack? You know, you don't, you don't even know you're going to walk the Camino. And then, you know, and it was just sort of this thing that was like it just took hold of me. And then just one day I blurted out, I'm doing it, and I'm doing it in six weeks. And my wife said, okay. <laughs> and away you went. And that was that. And away I went. And, you know, look, I, I still don't know why. I still do not know why I did it, other than, other than it was uh, an itch that just got itch, itchier and itchier and itchier, if that's the correct term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and, and the only way that I could really scratch it was to walk the Camino. And uh, in a moment we're going to get to what you've been doing the last few years, Bill, and I suppose... Mm-hmm. Looking back now, could it have been simply intuition? Um, well, look, that goes into a much deeper conversation about intuition as guidance and, and about, you know, how, how we each, I believe anyway, ha- has a purpose in life and how intuition helps guide us along that purpose. Um, I, you know, with, with, with the Camino... Um, I wasn't I wasn't looking at walking it to instigate change in myself or anything like that. 
it was, Dan, I've got to say, it was just damn weird. Yeah. You know, there was, I, I wanted to be a pilgrim. I went to, on the way on the way back from that trip from Cannes, we stopped in um, Samos, this little tiny village that's got the most magnificent monastery. I stayed there. I stayed anyway, there. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Isn't yeah, it beautiful? Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Um, and... And so I went inside and I had a look at the albergues and I had a look at all the bunks and so forth like that. And, and all, I just remember standing there and going, I want to be here. I want to come back and I want to be a pilgrim. And, you know, a couple of years later, I walked back and I walked into that monastery and I, I was a pilgrim. It was, it was a very profound moment for me because I remember, I remember two years earlier, um, you know, really not even believing that I could walk the Camino having that very strong feeling and then coming back and going, hey, I got this far. We're going to come back to your intuition and we're going to have that in-depth mm-hmm. conversation about it in a moment. But you say in the book you met sure. people from all over the world along the way. Is there one mm-hmm. thing you could yeah. say, Bill, that you learned from other pilgrims that you brought back with you? One thing. Um, hum- I think probably humility. I think, um, I think that's the... I think the Camino ultimately humbles you. Um, if it doesn't humble you, it breaks you. Yeah. And you know, and I've seen I've seen people get broken by the Camino. It's not pretty. Um, but if you, and you know, interestingly, this might be your experience as well, Dan. The um, the older people do it better. And and. I think the stats are that the majority of people who walk the Camino are 45 years and older, and they handle it better. Um, <laughs> talking about Osobrero, I, I was uh, I was at the bottom of Osobrero. I think I'd walked about 20k that day just to get to the bloody bottom of that hill. I didn't oh, realise just no, how big it was. I thought, no. yeah. And and anyway, so I I saw this old bloke up ahead and he, you know, grey hair and beard and everything like that, and he was going pretty slowly. And and I came up and I thought, oh look, I'll be I'll be personable and I'll have a chat to him. We we had a bit of a chat and and um, you know, and he was kind of tottering along and and uh, and the the climb was starting to get steeper. And I thought, I'm I'm going to really I'm going to really ramp this up. I'm going to I'm going to knock this off. Super, off super, I'm going oh, yeah. to power up here. Oh, yeah. And I, so I said that I so I said to this bloke. Um, Look, I've, you know, please don't think I'm rude. I'm now going to walk my own pace and um, and I'll see you up the top um, on Camino. Anyway, so off I left. I, I, you know, I powered off and I, you know, I started the climb. But halfway up, the, halfway up the mountain, I was struggling. I was really struggling. And and then I hear this tap, 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 tap behind me of the walking walking poles on, on the road. And the old bloke comes up. And he passes me. As he passes me, he says, I oh, look, sorry, um, don't think me rude. I'm going to walk my own pace. I'll see you at the top. <laughs> well, this bloke, who was probably 20 years my senior, left me left me in his dust. Anyway, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> he, he, um, he was kicking back having a beer up, up the top when I finally struggled up there, you know, me, me you know, just in pretty poor shape. And... Um, I got to talking to him. I, I said, "You did that. How, how come you did that so effortlessly?" It turns out he was a telecom worker in Switzerland, and his job was climbing up and down mountains. Right. 
you know, just check, checking out electric power poles. And he was fit as, fit as a Mally Bull or, you know, the Swedish equivalent, Switzerland equivalent. Um, so you can't judge people. That's what I learned from that whole experience. You can't judge people. And people and the Camino humble you. You know, you think you've got it nailed and then you realise that, in fact, no, 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 the Camino is going to teach you a lesson. I mean, I love that. Yeah, I love it too. I love it too. You say you'd never done anything crazy before, that you weren't or aren't an adventurer, quote unquote. Mm. Are you now mm. an adventurer? That's a good question. Um, I think probably the definition of adventurer changes according to the adventures that you have. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but things don't, yeah, I, think, I don't think things, um, you know, scare me as, as much as, as that first Camino. I, I think. I think if you walk a Camino, if you walk a Camino, I think you end up with a certain level of confidence and a certain level of um, achievement and a certain sense of capability, of your own capability. Um, you know, because it is an achievement. And I'm, I've been to Santiago now, not, not, not having walked all the Caminos, but, but work and so forth has taken me back there. Uh, probably a dozen times, and I stand in the in the square in front of the cathedral, and I watch these pilgrims come in, and I just think, um, you know, what an extraordinary sense of achievement these people have gone through to to do it. Um, you know, some people have walked two thousand, three thousand kilometres to get there. Um, you know, it's it's quite amazing, really. And one of the things that amazes me is that it's getting stronger you know it's it's becoming more popular more people are talking about it more people want to do it um and that i think is a wonderful thing you said and i'm going to quote you here all this backpacking and wearing of heavy boots and flying off to france to walk ancient pilgrimage routes was a new experience and not one that i'd that made me feel entirely comfortable in fact i felt decidedly uncomfortable close quotes Mm. bill it's often Mm. called spiritual and mystical how far into your mm. Camino, do you recall, did you start to feel the mm. magic of the Camino? Look, I actually felt the magic of it even before I got there. Um, I think, I think, um, I was one of the few people, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a Catholic and I'm not um, a religious person as such, but before I set off that first morning in St. John. I went into the church just out of respect mm. because if you're going to walk a pilgrimage route, then I do think that you need to pay, pay homage and pay respect, um, you know, to, to St. James and, and to the notion of, a, of it being a pilgrimage. I was surprised how few people actually did that. Um, I think the spiritual nature of the Camino creeps up on you in very discreet ways. And, and often you don't realize, um, you know, one of the things that is extraordinary about the Camino, I'm sure you've experienced this yourself, is the spirit of generosity. Um, you know, um, random acts of kindness that come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, that um, that leave you absolutely flummoxed and you think, my goodness, you know, would I do that in return? Um, huh. One of the things that, I, uh, I don't know whether you did this, but um, I was in Alberga in St. John the night before the the night before we'd used to set off. And um, and each person had to get up and say who they were and where they came from and why the, why they were doing the Camino and, you know, or just make a comment. Yeah. And I 
I, I got up and I, I found myself blurting out. I didn't even know that I was going to say this until I said it. I said, at some point along the Camino, I believe each one of us is going to meet an angel. And then I sat wow. down and my, my face was all flushed with red and I thought, <laughs> bloody hell, did I just say that? <laughs> and then and I realised, and it took, me, it took me a long time, way after the Camino, to realise that, in fact, in fact you, can be the, you can be the angel. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody coming to you, um, you know, with kindness, with generosity, with, um, with compassion. It can be you. And possibly if you look back down on your Camino, you might look at it with, through that prism and realize that you helped somebody. And, and, or even, it might even just be an offhand comment, you know, for somebody who, you know, is pouring out their life to you. I mean, I regard the Camino as being um, an 800-kilometer confessional box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because you, you meet these people and you, and you, you realize probably you're never, ever going to meet them again. Um, and they meet you and you're walking along, you don't know who they are, and suddenly they start to unburden on you. And they begin to tell you things that they probably wouldn't even tell, you know, their best friend at home or their spouse or whatever. And you realize that that's the reason that they've walked the Camino or are walking the Camino. And you are privy to this extraordinary um, level of intimacy, I guess, you know, from these strangers. And then they walk on and you never see them again. You know, but, but within that little dialogue, within that little interchange, there might be something that you say that twigs with them, you know, that goes, oh, okay, you know, a real aha moment. And they go, right, thank you. That's the reason I'm here. And then they walk on. But you don't know. You don't know how you impact on other people. I think that's really quite wonderful. Uh, just thinking about it while you're talking, uh, it, it did happen to me and it was truly one of the most fantastic moments of my Camino and, and indeed my life. It was just awesome. Bill, we're going to keep talking because I want to talk about the personal guidance system. So we're going to wrap up Thank this you. first half hour podcast. And my, my guest is Australian filmmaker and author Bill Bennett. And he's on the line from California, not in Australia. He's there because he's making a film. And we're going to talk about all that next week. I hope you'll join me then. I'm Dan Mullins. And this is My Camino, a podcast. <laughs>